When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we were all by ourselves. There was no one else in the mm-hmm. park. And we had walked out, I don't know, maybe 100 yards to an overlook. And we heard race cars. And I'm not kidding you. We <laughs> heard race cars. And I kept looking back at the park road thinking, who is in the park driving really fast? And finally, we realized it was, were they falcons? I don't know. There was some some kind of bird that would shoot down these canyons and they would buzz us right over our heads. It sounded exactly like NASCAR. We don't know our birds. It it had wings. We're not bird (laughs) people. people. We have have nothing against birds, but we're just not. (laughs) This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On this episode, we're taking you on a road trip through northern Arizona, a 700-mile circle tour that begins and ends in Sedona. More than 6 million people a year visit the Grand Canyon, but there are many other incredible public lands to visit in the same area. We'll be talking about our September trip when we visited more than a half dozen national monuments, a couple of Navajo tribal parks, and another national park that isn't on most people's radar. All the details of this epic northern Arizona road trip coming up next. Uh, Before we get started, I feel like we might need to issue a disclaimer for today's episode. A disclaimer? Yeah. (laughs) You're going to issue a disclaimer? (laughs) We might need to. Why is that? Well, because you've had a cold for a week now. And every yeah. day I see you swigging from the bottle of NyQuil. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. The reason it's called NyQuil is you're supposed to take it at night before you go to sleep. Yeah. It's the only way I can get through this cold, though. I've been fighting this cold, but I, I'm, I'm on the mend. I, I think the cold's over. It just, the sound in my voice isn't gone. No, it's not at all. So I'm a little worried what the NyQuil's going to... Bring oh, you out. think I'm going to say stuff <laughs> that I normally wouldn't say? Yes. Well, since you edit our episodes, you just take that stuff out. You take half the stuff I say out anyway. You're, That's you're, true, I do. Your biggest worry is that we do a live performance sometime. Oh, gosh. You know that it'll we, take 30 seconds before we're canceled. <laughs> we could never do a live show, not in a million years. But I'd have, I'd have to say what I was going to say to you. I'd have to whisper it to you. And then you could tell me if it's okay. We'd need at least a 30-second delay where somebody could be bleeping you out. I think in 2022, we should just do all live streams. That's what I think we should do. Well, it'll be a very short-lived season. (laughs) We'll be be canceled by the middle of January. What's it called? One and done? Yes. It's called canceled. Anyway, we have a lot to talk about today because this was a very big road trip that we did. A lot of places we need to uh, we need to talk about. 
Do you think it was the greatest road trip of all time? I would say the Great American Bison Road Trip was pretty good. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. I'd say this was number two. And you know what's kind of surprising about that? What? This road trip that we're going to be talking about today, this big loop that we did, we have seen all of those places before. So none of it was new to us. And I still loved it. Yeah, that's the great thing I think about the national parks and our incredible public lands is, you know, a lot of these places you can just keep going back to time after time. And they're so spectacular that they feel special, even though you've been there many times before. And there's so many of them that I think you could just keep traveling and going back to these places and and being amazed every time you do it. What started this trip was uh, Matt's sister, Sheila, and her husband live in the Washington, D.C. area, and they had seen years ago photos that we took in Antelope Canyon on one of the Antelope Canyon tours, and they were amazed and, and had mentioned to us that they would love to see Antelope Canyon one day. Well, you know, as as it happens, the years go by and the years go by, and we finally decided it was time to plan a trip with them and take them to Antelope Canyon. But that's pretty much just a one-day deal. And so, Matt, you started researching what else we could show them in the area. And, and the trip just grew and grew from there. Antelope Canyon is just so picturesque, so photogenic. But visiting those canyons just by themselves, that's a that's an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can go to all of them and that's that's a full day. But it's not like a week. You don't, you don't plan a week-long trip just for Antelope Canyon because they're they're not that big. And so, yeah, we started thinking, okay, what well, what else can we do if we're in the area? And yeah, it just turned into a, a big loop. Every place we went to was interesting and what I think is special is we've been to these places before. It's always fun when you're with somebody who hasn't seen them before and you're kind of seeing them new yourself because they're pointing out things and they're, they're having a, a reaction to these places for the first time. It, it, it really adds a lot of fun and excitement to the visit. It does. Like you said, it was fun to see it through their eyes, and they were so amazed and um, so appreciative of these public lands that it was. It made it really fun for us, too, to show them some of these places that we love. So let's let's get started. Now, we, we drove from Seattle all the way down to Sedona, which is where we met them, and they flew from D.C. to Phoenix and then drove up. Sedona is about a two-hour drive from Phoenix. So that's where we met them in Sedona. That's where we started the whole journey. Right. And you could also fly into Flagstaff. So this, this loop we're going to talk about. Uh, it started in Sedona, but you know, if you live in the West, there's a lot of smaller airlines that fly into Flagstaff. Sure, and so that that's another place you could start this. And and Sedona is what an hour away from Flagstaff at the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So started either one. You know, people have a lot of mixed feelings about Sedona. If you haven't been there before, it is stunningly beautiful with these red rocks that rise up all around all around the town. However, it has also been discovered by the masses. So it's very crowded. The traffic is bad. And so some people have, uh, I think, have kind of been turned off by Sedona. It's a beautiful place. I mean, no doubt. It has unique landscapes Mm -hmm. that you're not going to find anywhere else. And the weather's great. I mean, it's just, it's an ideal setting, which also then brings the crowds because people have discovered it. And with people, even even well-behaved people, you're going to have issues with parking and trash and, and stuff like that and, and crowded trails. 
So you just have to adjust your attitude a little bit. This when you go to Sedona, you are not going for a wilderness experience. That's exactly you're, right. You're seeing incredible landscapes, but you will have buddies with you <laughs> on the trail yeah. and at the restaurants and in the line for the restaurants. So anyway, yeah. that's Sedona. Yeah. And the other thing too is, as you mentioned, Matt, the hikes, the popular hikes, and I'll just run through the list really quickly. These, for the most part, are not wilderness areas. And I think what's kind of surprising to people is you will be hiking next to residential neighborhoods on a lot of these hikes. So if your goal is to get away from people and get way, way back in the wilderness, then this might not be for you. Yeah. And I think that that's a good thing about this loop itinerary that Mm. we're talking about is we do have other items on the itinerary where you can get away from people. Exactly. So we had two days and two nights in Sedona, and we had a wonderful time. I'm going to run through, if you're going, some of the most popular hikes, uh, Soldier Pass, Boynton Canyon, Oak Creek Canyon, Cathedral Rock, Devil's Bridge, Fay Canyon. These are all worth checking out, all amazing, but definitely go early because parking at these places is at a premium. Oh, yeah. And and some of these parking lots are adjacent to residential areas that have gates. Mm -hmm. And so the gates open at a certain time. And, and there'll be a lineup of cars. Anyway, we love Sedona and we'll probably go back many times, mm-hmm. but it's it, it can get crowded. Right. We should mention too, all these hikes, these are national forests in Sedona. There are no national park units directly in Sedona. But when you head north from there on Highway 89A up to Flagstaff, which is what we did on day three, our first stop, which is just to the east of Flagstaff on Highway 40, is the amazing Walnut Canyon National Monument. We had been there years ago, I think even before our National Park tour, and I remember liking it, but uh, had forgotten really how interesting it really is. And that's a great National Park uh, Service unit. Now, one thing, um, Walnut Canyon opens at 9 a.m. So you can't get there before then, unfortunately. So what all these things we're going to talk about that we did on day three, it's a lot. So our suggestion would be be there at 9 a.m. when the gates open, because we have have a lot of things that we did in addition to Walnut Canyon. So you're going to need a full day. And you can certainly change this itinerary. This is just a suggestion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other things you can do along the way, but this is just a good baseline for planning this itinerary that we're going to talk about today. Exactly. Now, one thing that you must do at Walnut Canyon is do the Island Trail, which takes you down 240 steps down to what they call the island that has 25 cliff dwellings that you can go and visit. These cliff dwellings are about 800 years old. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Not only that you can walk right next to some of the cliff dwellings, but you also have views across the canyon and other areas of the site where you can then see cliff dwelling ruins kind of from afar. Mm -hmm. And so you can really get a sense of how many people had built homes and lived in the area. Yeah, it was fascinating. The other thing I really loved about this is you can go inside these little cliff dwellings. There was a ranger stationed outside of one of them, and we made sure that it was okay. But you can literally walk inside them and see the inside. And that's kind of rare. Usually when you tour cliff dwellings, you know, you are looking at them from afar. That was fun to go inside them. The trail is a little bit 
difficult. I mean, it, it goes down almost 200 vertical feet into the canyon. There's stairs. The site sits at about 7,000 feet elevation. But, you know, if you take your time. Yeah, you, know, you got to save a little juice for the 240 steps back up. But there's another trail you can do, the Rim Trail, that doesn't go up and down. It's about uh, 0.7 miles round trip, and it has overlooks down into the canyon. So that's an option as well. Okay, from there, we headed north on Highway 89 up to the area that has both the Wapatki and the Sunset Crater National Monuments, and they're on the same road. Now, we have not been to the Sunset Crater Volcano, but we've been to Wapatki a couple times, and on this particular trip, we went back to Wapatki, mm-hmm. and that's another amazing uh, site to visit, and, and the ruins there are, are very different than Walnut Canyon. Completely different. The main thing at Wapatki is is the Wapatki Pueblo, and there is a trail that's right behind the visitor center that will take you all the way around it. So this Wapatki Pueblo is a 900-year-old ancestral Puebloan site, and it's huge. It has over 100 rooms. Yeah, there's really a lot of ruins right in that area, and and to, to see it in its location and to imagine what life would have been like for people who lived there. I mean, they actually had a lot of infrastructure there. I mean, they had they had a, what, a, like a ball court where they played games right there, you know, by the Pueblo. Yeah, and your favorite, the blowhole. <laughs> there is a blowhole. Now, now, you know, actually, this is one thing that I do like about caves, uh, natural caves. When you have an underground system of caverns that don't have large natural entrances. In areas, there's cracks in the rocks or or breaks in the rock where the cavern is connected to the outside air. And so as the atmospheric pressure changes outside versus inside the cavern, air has to either go in or out of the cavern to equalize pressure. And so when air is coming out of the cavern, it's blowing air, like cool cave mm-hmm. air out into the open. And, and so this is a blowhole, <laughs> and they have a trail to it and uh-huh. a grate over it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing to do, which I could, couldn't get this right, is you try to balance your hat mm-hmm. on the blowhole and have it hover in in space there. I think you and Carl spent more time at the blowhole than you did walking around the the Pueblo ruins. Yeah. <laughs> like two we, little we, kids. We spent a lot of time at the blowhole and there was a ranger there yeah. and we had a long conversation with the ranger and and finally I asked him. I said, "Well, but what happens when the atmospheric pressure increases and the pressure on the inside of the cavern is lower than outside?" He goes, "Yeah, you're right." It turns into a suck hole, <laughs> so air goes in, right? Uh-huh. It, and I, so I, it, it took me several tries at that conversation to get him to say suck hole, <laughs> but finally he, he 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 knew what I was doing. Yeah. I was not the first person to try to trick him into saying suck hole, but yeah, sometimes the blowhole's the suck hole also. And that made your day, I yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> Now, we should mention, uh, if you also want to visit Sunset Crater Volcano National Monument over there, the deal with that is um, Sunset Crater erupted in 1085 AD. And the reason that it's a protected national park site is because in the 1920s, a Hollywood movie company wanted to blow up the cinder cone that's still there in order to simulate an eruption. 
So this spurred President Herbert Hoover to protect Sunset Crater and the surrounding 3,100 acres as a national monument in 1930. So Sunset Crater does have a visitor center and some lava flow trails that you can walk on and and see all the lava that came out during the eruption. Yeah, and there's a lot of lava flow rock formations over by Wapatki also. Right. Yeah, the, the whole area has volcanic geology around it. After our visit to Wapatki, we stopped at Cameron Trading Post like we always do. Now, this place is, is a historic trading post. It's been there for more than 100 years. I guess the story is in 1911, a swayback suspension bridge was erected over the little Colorado River, you know, that section that we drive over now that has the big nice bridge. Is that a te- technical term, a swayback? Swayback. Did you make that up? No, I, that's it's, technical. It's a swayback? It was even capitalized. Oh, okay. So I don't know. All right. So anyway, it, that was in 1911, and it that created the first access across the gorge. So after that, two brothers, Herbert and C.D. Richardson, established the Cameron Trading Post. And at the time, it was visited by the Navajo and Hopi locals, and they sold their wool and their blankets and their livestock there. Yeah, and it's still in business all these years later. I don't think we've ever driven by the Cameron Trading Post without going in. Right. I mean, we either we need something. Either we need gas, mm-hmm. or we need lunch, or we need to just look at the Navajo rugs. Th- this place has probably the best example of Navajo rugs. Although there's another place, Hubble Trading Post, that we'll talk about. Also, they're expensive, mm-hmm. but the quality is is probably as good as you get. They also have some incredible Navajo jewelry for sale. So if you're interested in either of those, this would be a great place to shop. So what we did, and I loved this, they have a they have a restaurant there that is now open. The dining room is open, but we ordered takeout food, and then we sat in the courtyard of the motel that's there, which was a beautiful courtyard with trees, and uh, it was just lovely, and we had our lunch there, and it was a great stop. Yeah, and it was pretty crowded at the trading post when we were there, but there was just us and another group sitting in that courtyard, and the courtyard's pretty big. I mean, it could accommodate quite a few groups. Yeah, I know you always get the Navajo food fry bread, oh my goodness. which looks amazing. But I have to say that uh, we'll just talk about food for a second. Their grilled cheese is like no other grilled cheese sandwich I've ever had in my do, life. Do you, you need know a why? moment? Yeah, you, you know why? Because I'll just say this real quick. There's a piece of bread on the outside, then tons of cheese, then another piece of bread in the middle, then more cheese, then another piece of bread. It's like four Ex- inches tall. Extra cheese. <laughs> yeah. So highly recommend. A- gr- extra cheese and extra bread. God. <laughs> I know. There's like two grilled cheese sandwiches together. <laughs> That's right. Now, we've never stayed in the motel there. It's called the Cameron Trading Post Grand Canyon Motel. Great location if you are in that area, but we we can't say anything about it because we haven't stayed there. When we did this itinerary, we went from the Cameron Trading Post up to Page, but also if you have extra time or you want to extend the trip, this is a good spot to go over to the west to visit Grand Canyon. Highway 64 is right there. That will take you to the east entrance of Grand Canyon. So a couple of options there. If you just want to look over the rim and you don't want to stay overnight, you could go to the easternmost overlook in the park. That's called Desert View. It's only a 30-minute drive from Cameron Trading Post. So you could add this on fairly easily. And what's cool there is they have the Watchtower, which is this giant stone tower that was built in 1932. Yeah, that's a beautiful structure. It looks ancient, but it's not. It's it's contemporary. It's in the 20th century. 
And it's one of the few places along the rim where you can actually see the river. Right. Spectacular overlook. It's also, it's somewhat developed. They have a gas station, a market, a retail store. There are restrooms. I think there's a place to get coffee and ice cream. So that would be a great little detour if you just wanted to do that and then go back to Cameron Trading Post and get on 89. Also, Matt, as you mentioned, you could certainly drive all the way into the Grand Canyon Village. That's about an hour and 15 minutes from Cameron Trading Post. And that's where all the lodges are. Um, that's where you know all the development is on the South Rim. And you could spend the night or two nights or three nights. There's several hotels. There's the El Tovar. There's the Bright Angel Lodge. There's the Yavapai, the Thunderbird. So there's, there's a lot of lodging right there on the South Rim. Although... The, the reservations for those fill up quickly. So if you want to do that as part of your itinerary, book early. So Sheila and Carl had already been to the Grand Canyon, and so had we. So we skipped that part of it, and we drove um, from Cameron Trading Post. We drove up to Page and checked into our hotel. Lots of hotel options in Page. There are now. Mm-hmm. When we started going there maybe 10 years ago, there weren't many, but you have all the chains now, the Comfort Inn or the Comfort Suites, you got the Hampton Inns, those types Mm of motels. So generally, it's pretty easy to get a motel room in Page. That's right. We'll just mention really quickly to a couple of places that we loved for dinner. Two of our favorites, uh, Fiesta Mexicana Restaurant. That's the place with the fishbowl margaritas. (laughs) That's that's one of my favorite restaurants on the planet, (laughs) mainly because when you go in, and even this, this happens even when they're busy, When you walk in, by the time you get to the hostess stand, he or she already has the menus in their hand and they are walking you to your table. Right. And and two minutes later, you have a margarita in front of you. So great service there. Um, The other place that we discovered is Big John's Texas Barbecue. Gosh, we went there. It was either a Friday or Saturday night, and we sat outside. There are tons of picnic tables, and there is sort of a covering overhead. And they had the best band there. They played incredible country music. They took uh, requests. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a fantastic band. Yeah, so we ate barbecue, drank cold beer, and listened to this amazing band. Just such a great night. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise because we hadn't been to Big John's before. Now, we did skip over before dinner. We drove to Horseshoe Bend for sunset. Uh, You know, this trip was in September, so sunset fairly early. I think it was sunset was at like 630. So we did that before dinner. Horseshoe Bend is someplace everybody needs to experience. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible overlook, beautiful physical landscape. Everyone's got to see it. Just word of warning, it's a freak show. And I'm not saying that to be unkind to people, but... You go, you see it for yourself. Tell me it's not a freak show. Right. People doing things that are pretty dangerous. Extremely dangerous. There is a section that has a railing. So this is what a thousand foot overlook down into this this bend in the Colorado River. And it's it's stunning, but there is a small section that has a railing. So I always stand behind the railing to take my photos. I feel perfectly safe. But then there is a huge section that does not have a railing. And people are perched on the rocks. They're literally sitting on the edge, taking selfies backwards and doing handstands. There are babies. There are dogs. It is a freak show is is an understatement. And it's a drop. It's a straight drop off from that railing. When we were there, a guy went around the railing and there's maybe, I don't know, three or four inch rock legs on the other side. 
literally walked out on that on the other side of the railing to take a picture. The exact same picture he could have gotten standing 12 inches on the other side of the railing. And so it's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you got to go because the the scenery is spectacular, especially at sunset. A couple of notes. um, So this is a National Park Service site. It's part of Glen Canyon National Recreation Area. However, when you go, there is a parking fee that your pass, if you have the America the Beautiful Pass, that that will not cover. This huge parking lot was built by the city of Page, and they do charge, I think it was $5 maybe? Yeah, or 10 or five it, was, or 10. It, was, it was not much. Yeah, so, so there is that. But yes, it's a National Park Service site, and I think everyone needs to see it at least once in their lifetime, and then maybe never go back. <laughs> yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So the next day, this was our day four. We were in page for the day. We did the Antelope Slot Canyon Tours. Now, we covered this in detail in episode 52, so we won't go into any more detail today. Um, But there are basically three of them. Right. There's the Canyon X. There's the Upper Canyon. There's the Lower Canyon. We did Canyon X and and Lower Mm -hmm. that day. Upper is beautiful also, but I didn't feel after doing the other two, I didn't feel like we were missing anything. No, and we've done the Upper Tour before. Right. So if you can do one, two, or three of those, Mm -hmm. that's great. Quite frankly, if you can just only do one of them, you're probably seeing... 90% of the spectacular rock formations. That's right. Make sure you get online and make your reservations ahead of time. You cannot just show up to any of these tours. So get online, make your reservations. You could easily see all three in one day if you want to. So we had two nights in Pegs. The other night for Sunset Hour, Golden Hour, we went over to the Glen Canyon Dam area. Now, the visitor center was closed because of covid but the parking lot was open, parked there, and we walked across the bridge. And this is this is Highway 89. We walked across the bridge. That's the bridge across the Colorado River. It's one of the highest bridges in the country. And from there, you can see the dam, the Glen Canyon Dam. And then you can look the other direction and, and see the, the Colorado River as it's flowing out essentially towards the Grand Canyon. Yeah, that's a cool thing to do is to walk across that bridge. They have a pedestrian area, so you're not taking your life into your hands. Also, if the Carl Hayden Visitor Center is open, that's a great visitor center to check out. And then the other recommendation we have is another, gosh, mile or two or three 
further on Highway 89, there's a turnoff to the Waweep Overlook. We always go there when we're in Page for sunset. You have a great view above the Waweep Marina and a lot of those sandstone buttes and, of course, Lake Powell. And it's a beautiful place for sunset. The next day, day number five, we left Page. We we headed up towards Really, this is both the northern Arizona and southern Utah itinerary. So yes. We, so we headed up towards southern Utah. Now, our first planned stop was Monument Valley Tribal Park. We wanted to show Sheila and Carl Monument Valley. And we didn't do this, but you could also add on to your itinerary, you're going to drive past the Navajo National Monument, which which is a National Park Service site. Yeah, we visited there years ago. Unfortunately, it was August and monsoon season. And when we got to the visitor center, it was raining. It was pouring so hard that we could not go out and look at the cliff dwellings, which is what you want to do when you go to Navajo National Monument. Now, currently, because this is on Navajo land and because of COVID, They are not doing the ranger-led tours to the cliff dwellings. So there are three other short self-guided tours you can do, but they don't go to the cliff dwellings. So we skipped that on this trip. I would love to see it, but we'll just have to go back once they reopen these ranger-led tours. We'll have to leave that in the wish bucket for when the tours are back on. Yeah. Also, the other thing about this place is the visitor center is only open Wednesdays through Sundays. So if you happen to be there on a Monday or Tuesday, it will be closed. So check the website for all the info. Well, we got up to Monument Valley, and they had the capacity reduced down to 50%. And there was no line when we got to the entrance kiosk. Well, I mean, there's like two or three cars in front of us. But yeah, it wasn't very crowded at all. It was shocking because usually the parking lot at, at Monument Valley Tribal Park is completely full with cars and trucks. And it was, we were felt like we were practically the only people there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and here is a tip for Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. The patio that's right outside the gift shop is, I think, in my opinion, the best place to take photographs in the park. Yeah. Uh, now you, you can go out and get into the park and you can drive the scenic rough road through it. Actually, the scenery from the patio of the gift yeah. shop, I think is the best in the entire park. You have to pay, I believe it's $20 admission to get into the Navajo Tribal Park, but it's worth it to see, first of all, to see the views. Secondly, the gift shop is pretty amazing. And third, the only hike anywhere in Monument Valley that you can do without an authorized guide is right there. The access is there. It's called the Wildcat Trail, and it's a four-mile, pretty easy loop that will take you around the east and west mittens. And that was a cool thing to do. Yeah, we had done that years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went down a little bit down the trail on this particular trip. We didn't have enough time to, to do the whole thing. But one note, make sure you sign in. There's a little register at the trailhead. You have to sign in because we didn't and we got yelled at. (laughs) (laughs) We were scolded. So one note, though, once you're in the tribal park, if you want to drive their 17-mile scenic road, because it's limited to 50% capacity, there is a person there allowing 15 cars in per hour. So there was a bit of a wait when we were there. There were maybe half a dozen cars waiting. Yeah, it didn't look like they were waiting long. So Monument Valley straddles the Arizona-Utah border. And even though we have billed this as a northern Arizona itinerary, we also snuck into a part of Utah because there were a few things there we wanted to show Sheila and Carl. 
So from Monument Valley, we headed northeast on Highway 163 to the towns of Mexican Hat and Bluff, Utah. Now, just one note, every time we do this trip, there is a cute little place to stop for lunch. It's called the San Juan Inn. It is also an inn. There's a little trading post there. It's perched above the San Juan River. We always pop in there for lunch and cold beers. It's a great stop. And there aren't too many places around there to get lunch. So that's why I'm mentioning it. It's open for lunch during peak season. Uh, So if you're there in the winter, it might not be open. But yeah, that's a great place to stop for lunch in Mexican Hat. Now, there were three main things we wanted to show Sheila and Carl that are all clustered very close together. And the first one was the Valley of the Gods. This is a a 17-mile dirt road. They do have some dispersed camping along there if you're interested. It looks similar to Monument Valley. Is it the poor man's (laughs) Monument Valley? No. But I know that's what you call it. I really like that drive. Now, it takes longer than you think it's going to take because mm-hmm. it's not that long. It's 17 miles, but you're driving 10 miles an hour to begin with, and yeah. you're stopping every 30 seconds because there's an amazing view. So, I mean, it it takes a, a good couple hours to do that drive. Yeah, and the road is pretty decent, at least when we were there. And obviously, I wouldn't suggest doing it after a rainstorm, but I would say most cars could do that, wouldn't you? If it's dry, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, two-wheel drive, even rental cars could probably yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you just have to be careful. We did it counterclockwise. I think that's the best way to do it. And when you come out of Valley of the Gods, you are not very far from Goosenecks State Park, which is a very quick stop. You don't need much time to go into Goosenecks and look over the overlook, which is what the attraction is. Like you said, it's it's maybe a 10 or 15 minute stop mm-hmm. when, once you're there, but it's worth going off the beaten path and going to see it. Now, some some people love camping there. Um, it's kind of an RV camping spot because it's incredible overlook. But if you're not going to camp, you go in, you pay your five bucks, you, you get some good photographs and, and you move on. So the attraction at Goosenecks is you are looking down at the San Juan River, you are a thousand feet above it, and you're looking down at what's called an entrenched river meander, which is a gooseneck. But the cool thing about Gooseneck State Park is there are two goosenecks. Right. You're right at the point where there's two right next to each other. So it's it's pretty cool. It's, it's yeah. an interesting landscape that you're not going to see really anywhere else. Right. It's similar to Horseshoe Bend, you know, as far as the way the river wraps around the land. However... There are never the crowds there. Every time we have been there, we are practically the only people there, and we and we haven't seen anyone doing sketchy, dangerous no, things there. No, I'm sure they. I'm sure they do from time to time. But yeah, Horseshoe Bend is a single gooseneck, and then Gooseneck State Park is two of them right right together. Mm-hmm. Now there's another interesting attraction nearby. When you exit Goosenecks, you take 261 Highway 261 to the northwest. It's Moki Dugway. And for years, we didn't know what Moki Dugway was. Essentially, a dugway is the name for a road that's that's built into the side of a cliff. Mm-hmm. And this is a three-mile dirt road. It has an 11% grade, and it goes up 1,200 feet. So it's pretty, it's pretty steep, very spectacular, no guardrails. You got to pay attention, but it's safe. If you're paying attention, it's not wet. 
you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's called White Knuckle Hill for a reason, though. So if you don't like driving next to steep, exposed drop-offs, this might not be for you. But we took Sheila and Carl, just drove up to the top, turned around, and drove back down because it's fun to see all the switchbacks. And also, there are some incredible views along the way. So that's a fun thing to do, too. So we drove up. And then we drove back down mm-hmm. and we went to Bluff. Bluff's a little town in southern Utah. And I don't know how I feel about giving out this tip because we found a little motel in Bluff. Actually, we've stayed at a couple of different ones that are mm-hmm. great, but we, we stay at the La Posada Pintada. Craig and I actually found it and, and turned us onto it. One of the coolest little motels we've ever stayed at. Right. It's amazing. And it's tucked back in this little neighborhood. It's not a place you would ever drive by. You kind of have to know it's back there. Yeah. And one of the best breakfasts that we've ever had also in, yeah. in a so, lodging place. Really cool rooms. Uh-huh. Really great breakfast. The reason I'm hesitant to give out this tip is because it's it's been easy for us to get reservations in the past and, and hopefully... They, yeah. don't, they don't sell out every night now. One other suggestion, we have had dinner at the Comb Ridge Eat and Drink there in Bluff. Another great place to stop by if you're there. Yeah, food was great. Mm-hmm. So the next day for us, we are now on day six. We left Bluff. We took Highway 191 South, went back into Arizona. Now, one stop that we didn't make, but you're going to go right past it. Uh, we've been there before and we didn't have time on this trip is Canyon de Chez National Monument. Yeah, Canyon de Chez is a really interesting canyon that's on Navajo land. It's spelled C H E L L Y. Kind of, you would think it might be pronounced Chelly, but it's not. It's Canyon de Chez. And it's got a lot of uh, ancestral Puebloan dwellings there. They're kind of mm-hmm. nestled at the base of these, these cliffs. Uh, there's a really interesting uh, rock formation kind of deep into the canyon if you drive the rim rim road back spider to, rock yeah spider rock mm-hmm. to the to the back of the the canyon yeah one of the interesting things about canyon de Chez is that it was established back in 1931 it's one of the few maybe the only national park service site that is also managed by the navajo people so they co-manage this particular park it's carried out jointly by the navajo nation and the park service and interestingly the members of the navajo community continue to live in the canyon they raise crops and they tend their flocks of sheep and they also cultivate their orchards yeah, it's really a great hike down into that. When we visited there, gosh, what, 10, 11 years ago, uh, we were there with Ranger Henry, mm-hmm. took us in into the canyon. It's, it's Ranger Henry. Henry's his last name. Is he, is he still there? He is still there. And I'm glad you mentioned that because if you are planning to hike in the canyon, you have to go on a ranger-led hike or with an authorized guide. The White House ruin you used to be able to hike to by yourself, that is currently closed. I don't know if that's going to reopen. But if you don't have a lot of time, you could just drive one or both of the two scenic rim drives. There's a north and a south, and those have a lot of different overlooks that you can stop and get out and look down into the canyon. I would suggest absolutely stopping at the overlooks and and looking at, at the canyon. Do you remember the one time at one overlook and we were all by ourselves. There was no one else in the mm-hmm. park. And we had walked out, I don't know, maybe 100 yards to an overlook. And we heard race cars. And I'm not kidding you. We <laughs> heard race cars. And I kept looking back at the park road thinking, 
who is in the park driving really fast? And finally, we realized it was, were they falcons? I don't know. There was some some kind of bird that would shoot down these canyons and they would buzz us right over our heads. It sounded exactly like NASCAR. We don't know our birds. It it had wings. <laughs> oh, we we're not bird <laughs> we're people. Not bird people. We, have, we have nothing against birds, but we're just not. <laughs> but it was some kind of flying it was, bird. It was a flying bird that sounded like <laughs> a race car. Anyway, I sidetracked. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, further south of there, and we're on Highway 191, our first stop for the day was Hubble Trading Post National Historic Site. This is also on the Navajo Nation, but this is a, a National Park Service site. We thought we were going to be there for, what, a 10-minute stop to look in the trading post? I wanted and, to see the Navajo rugs, right. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, the formal visitor center was closed, so we couldn't go in there. But we lucked out this day because there was a, a ranger who was getting ready to do a tour of the Hubble household. Right, and which sits behind the trading we post. We thought, yeah, sure, we're, we're here. We'll tag along with the tour. There was probably six or seven other people and mm-hmm. then the four of us, so maybe ten of us. And it was led by Ranger Elvis, and I will never forget his name because, as he says, it's Elvis with an A. He is a Navajo ranger who lives there, you know, in the community. An amazing ranger, so passionate about the park and about the history of the Navajo. But it was really cool to see this Hubble home because they have kept it exactly as it was back when the Hubbles lived there. Yeah, and told us all about the history of the Hubble family, how they established this trading post, all about it. But the more interesting story, I think, is he talked about Elbridge Burbank, the artist who stayed at the house, was a friend of the Hubbles, and all of the artwork that Burbank did, and they still have there, these red pencil drawings of of Native Americans that he had done during his life. And and that was an incredible story. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Elbridge Burbank sketched and painted Native Americans. He did more than 1,200 portraits from 125 tribes. Now, this was during the late 1890s and early 1900s. And he was believed to be the only person to paint the war chief Geronimo from life. I mean, he actually painted him with Geronimo sitting for the portrait. And that um, painting is in the Hubble home. Right. It's it's there hanging. Mm -hmm. The house is essentially an incredible museum. It's fantastic to see. And Alvis gave us a tour, all the history, all the passion. And you know what he told us at the end? (laughs) What? His last name, Alvis's last name, is Burbank. So he didn't he didn't tell us the exact connection between Elbridge Burbank and him. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a family connection there. I, I think there definitely was. So for all of you history buffs, just very quickly, this Hubble trading post was was purchased by John Hubble back in 1878. And uh, John Hubble and his family operated this until it was sold to the National Park Service in 1967. So the trading post part of it is still active, and it's operated by the nonprofit organization Western National Parks Association. So when you go in to this trading post, 
They have all kinds of goods for sale. It's like a mercantile. Yeah, looks like a trading post. It looks like a trading post. And then they have a, a couple back rooms that have some amazing Navajo rugs and jewelry and other Navajo crafts for sale. Definitely worth a stop. Yeah, you'd never know it was there. It's, it's just a few blocks off the main highway. Unless you knew about it, you'd probably drive right past it. But definitely worth a stop. Yes, and try to get the tour by uh, Ranger Alvis if you can. Well, that was our first stop of the day on our way to Petrified Forest National Park. Yeah, Petrified Forest National Park is a hidden gem. You know, I've talked about it recently to some people who have never heard of it. Yeah, it's right by the little town of Holbrook. Mm -hmm. And magnificent examples of large petrified trees and logs. And the park has petroglyphs. It's really a spectacular piece of land. It is. There is a lot to do. Now, when we got there, it was probably one o'clock in the afternoon. And so we we had a few hours. I would say that Petrified Forest is worth an entire day. So one option, if you go to Canyon Deshay and then Hubble Trading Post and you're and you're going to get there later in the day, you could spend the night in Holbrook. Holbrook, right. There's some lodging there. But if you only have a few hours like we did, two trails we'd highly recommend are the Blue Mesa Loop Trail. That's only a mile round trip. And the Crystal Forest Loop Trail, which is less than a mile. And both of those easy trails have a ton of petrified wood to look at. Yeah, I think you're going to see the best specimens of petrified wood Mm -hmm. on on those two trails. Now, there's also the giant logs by the visitor center, Mm -hmm. which also has incredible specimens. But yeah, if you did those two trails and you were kind of limited to, let's say, a half day, I think you'd see it. Yeah, for sure. It's a gorgeous landscape out there, the painted desert, some amazing drives through beautiful scenery. So highly recommend that. Now, when our day was over, we drove back to Flagstaff and we had lodging there for a night. Flagstaff is a great town. It's a college town. Yeah, Northern Arizona University is big. It's huge. There's mm-hmm. a lot, lot of students. I mean, like 30,000, 40,000 students there. And what's great about that is a college town of that size always has great bars and restaurants to support the community. And so there's plenty of cool places to eat. There's a lot of outdoor gear stores there. So that kind of closed our loop, really. Right. And obviously, you could also end your loop back in Sedona if you want to do that. Uh, Again, Flagstaff and uh, Sedona are, what, maybe a 45-minute drive from each other. So. So, Matt, when to go? When to go, Mm, when not to go. Gosh, I mean, (laughs) I I think that uh, middle of summer, middle of winter are probably not the best times to go because you you get super hot in the summer and and some of these places are at elevation. So you could get cold weather and and snow and Mm -hmm. ice during the winter. I think shoulder season, spring and fall are the times to, to do this. Absolutely. Perfect. Weather's good. Spring and fall are both really great times. All right, so that was our loop. Gosh, I think we covered two national parks, more than a half dozen uh, National Park Service sites, and the Navajo Tribal Parks. I mean, there was just, there was everything on that loop tour. Yeah, I think I liked it more than I thought I would, mm-hmm. because we had been to all these places before, but but again, it's, it's also just fun being with people who haven't seen it before, and their excitement and, and enthusiasm, you know, makes it a much funner trip. Yeah, it brought it alive for us again. And I think, you know, this has a little bit of everything no matter what you're into. So there's great hiking. There are ancestral Pueblo and ruins, incredible overlooks. And of course, you have all the handmade Navajo crafts and the Navajo rangers. And that added something really special to our trip. 
You have the slot canyons of Antelope Canyon and the scenic drives, petrified rocks. And margaritas. (laughs) And some of the best margaritas you'll have anywhere in the country, really. so much for joining us today. Coming up next week, we will have an episode about Haleakala National Park, the other Hawaiian National Park. We did an episode on Hawaii volcanoes a few weeks ago. And at the end of the month, we'll be back with our mailbag episode. Yeah, I can't wait for that. So we hope all of you are having good luck finding the gifts on your Christmas list. I know many things are sold out already and a lot of the store shelves are empty. And remember, our books make great gifts. You can buy them all on Amazon without leaving the comfort of your home. No traffic, no crowds, just a couple of clicks and they'll be delivered right to your door. That's how I've been doing all my holiday shopping this year. Yeah, I am aware. (laughs) So how did I do? I don't think a disclaimer was necessary, Karen. Actually, you did really great, Matt. Uh, Kind of exceptionally great. (laughs) Maybe we need to have that NyQuil uh, sitting right here on the desk for every episode. This episode is not sponsored by NyQuil (laughs) or or anyone else for that matter. (laughs) No, but it could be. It could be. 